had a moment yesterday where I just thought life, maybe just my life or just life in general is kind of absurd. Um, I was sitting at my desk working and my watch reminded me that I needed to charge the batteries of my coffee mug. And I was like, this is so stupid. All of this is stupid. Why, why is any of this a thing and why do I have it? Technology. <laughs> what kind of coffee mug do you have that takes batteries? So this was this was actually, this has been one of the coolest things I've gotten. Christopher gave it to me uh, for Christmas. It is a self-heating mug. I fucking hate that. So you put the coffee in and it stays warm. And it's awesome, but it does run out of batteries after a few hours, a couple hours. Oh, so it's a waste of money. Mm-mm. How long am I, how long am I actually going to drink coffee? Like I have two cups and then I'm done. That's all I, I'm not housing it all day. I mean, I'm not a hot coffee guy. I'm an iced coffee only kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. When it's really hot out, I can do, I'll do the, I'll switch it up to ice. But Oh yeah. Well, all right. If it's really cold out, I'll get a hot one, but it has to be like some frou-frou-ass shit. I know. I drank your coffee and then got COVID. Remember that? And it was like a fucking, <laughs> it was like a dentist's worst nightmare. I was like, oh my God, that was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I gotta do mine's, I drink mine black with a little bit of sugar, but it's, it's pretty bitter. I'm pretty sure my grandma would call me a homophobic slur if she saw me putting sugar in my coffee. <laughs> but you put so much cream and all that other crap. Mm-mm, cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I wanted to open today's episode with a question, a little prompt, a little hypothetical. If you, Charlie and Austin, had three days to make someone completely insane and the only person that this person could see was you. Wait, did that make sense? No. Am I a ghost? <laughs> well, yeah, you're a, you're like you're the only person that person can see. So like, OK, so two of us are locked in a room for three days and I'm supposed to make that person insane. I mean, you're not locked in a room. I mean, you can go out and about. But like the only person that can see you is him. And you have three days. That's the different. The only person you can only be seen by this person. You yes. can see everybody else and you. Yes. But, yes. But nobody yes. else can see you. Okay. That's it. Yes. All right. And you had three days to make this person completely batshit insane. What would you do? Charlie, you first. So I would probably uh, get naked and hide in the bathroom. And uh, anytime that they come to the bathroom, I'd just be in there jerking it. Uh, So they wouldn't want to go to the bathroom anymore. So they'd probably piss and shit themselves. And then as you know, the next day moved on, I would start showing up in other places too. Um, Just, you know, doing random weird shit until eventually... They got committed. Okay. I think I could okay. do it in three days. <laughs> I, I, I have two that I would do. I don't know which one. I have like a real one and a not real one. Uh, I'll, the, the real one. So in my current office, there's one conference room. There's something wrong with the heater. And all day long, you just hear this like nonstop clicking noise. It's like, and I swear to God, after spending an hour in there, I kind of want to blow my brains out. Um, so I would just find something to make a noise and pretend like I didn't hear it. Like only the other person was hearing it and over and over and over again. Uh, or I would just lock that person in a room with Dalton with literally nothing to do for three days. And if he didn't walk out of that room crazy, like putting in the white trash ADHD heartthrob in a room with anybody for three days. And there's literally no sort of stimulation. I think would actually probably mutual destruction. (laughs) Somebody would 
be dead in that situation i don't know if they'd be insane but they'd be, somebody would be dead that's my version of the saw reboot if like, someone in a room with me and there's just nothing it's just like beige walls and a carpeted floor and nothing to count nothing to distract oh you in any way i would go crazy you're making me crazy in this situation <laughs> There's nothing to fucking do. What am I going to do? Yeah, instead of saw, it would just be called this one time. <laughs> hey, guys. It would be, be called Dalt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So am I next? Is it my turn? There's only three of us. Yeah, we just went. Okay, yeah. Mr. All memory. Right. Mr. Good memory. Yeah, great memory on this guy. <laughs> so day one. First things first. Immediately take off my pants. Right. And much like Charlie, just immediately start jacking it, right? And I'm following this guy everywhere he goes because nobody else can see me, just him. And I'm following this guy. I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me, you fucking pervert? Are you fucking gay? What's going on? Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? The whole time, I just want to scream that at him while I'm just furiously masturbating, right? That's day one. Day two, I look at him, and I'm just sad. I have this real passive-aggressive look on my face, right? Real fucking bitchy, real fucking pouty. And it's like, why don't you talk to me anymore? Why don't you look at me? Why don't you kiss me like you used to? I, I feel like I feel like something's different. I feel like the vibes changed. You never look at me. You never kiss me. You know, I just want you to talk to me. I just want to feel like your lover. I do that all day long, right? All day. So the third day at this point, he's fucking losing it, right? He's fucking losing it. And this on the third day. He's like trying to figure out like what I'm doing there. Right. Like what's going on? Why is this guy like, like, why is he doing this to me? And every time he tries to talk to me, I'm just going to act like I'm not there. It's like, act like I can't see him Act like nothing's going on. And I think on this third day, that was what break him. Right. On this third day, at the end of the day, he's like going to sleep. Right. And he's thinking, maybe I'm just, maybe this is just a fever dream. Maybe this is something that's in my head. Maybe I'm schizophrenic. I don't know what's going on. So as he's laying down on the third day, I just hover over and take off my pants again. It's like, oh, oh, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? And that's it. That's it. What are you doing over there? What? what, what? <laughs> so you posed this question, which means you thought about it. And now that you've given your answer, you definitely have given this a lot of thought. <laughs> was it like a slow day at work? What was going on? Pretty much. <laughs> I, also I, like, I, I feel like Austin's with the clicking or like if somebody was whistling, I think that one would probably actually win because I fucking hate when people whistle. We had a guy at work that used to whistle. It used to drive me up a fucking wall. Yeah, and I, I think, think the clicking would be the same fucking way. Like if yeah. you, if he, he wouldn't, nobody else could hear you. So you could just click that thing all fucking day, all night long, all, all fucking day. I, I, I mean, I, that's just straight out of reality. They haven't been able to order this part for the, it's like a timer on the heater. So it's just, it just clicks away all fucking day long. <laughs> People like go in the room and forget that it's clicking. And then they come out after, after a conference call and they're like, oh my God, that room is insane. So is that like a form of torture? Like the, they like drop the water on your forehead, like over and over. And yeah. at first it seems like it's no big deal. And then eventually it gets to you. There's all kinds. I mean, there's, there's, they do kind of the opposite when they're in like uh, in Guantanamo. They would like play really loud music. Well, they play really loud music to get the um, what's his name? The cult leader, um, David Koresh, David Koresh. They set up speakers outside of the compound and they played really, really loud metal music uh, 24 hours a day. So no and like bunnies uh, being slaughtered and shit. Like oh, yeah. That they made yeah. these horrible. No, you can find oh the tapes God. of like dying animals. This is Wicca, and, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking. That's there's no winner in Waco. Like no. <laughs> the Branch Davidians are fucking awful, and then the ATF is fucking awful. <laughs> there's just no winner. Branch Davidians weren't doing anything illegal. The ATF was just a bunch of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> they were up to some not legal shit there. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to the last podcast on the left episode. They really paint it like there there was some shit, but it wasn't enough to do what they did like they did they went about it well yeah the atf was out of line i'm not arguing there but it was still like but like but what the the history books show is not exactly what happened like if you watch like any documentary on it like they take the hard fucking pro police stance every single time and it's like no motherfuckers that is not how that went down no they fuck every single time yeah like you don't fucking kill their dogs and then like, oh no, we weren't oh, yeah. shooting at I you totally or hurting anything. You. Like you kill my dogs, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like that's that's just how that's gonna happen. Yeah, well they also fucked up uh Ruby Ridge before that, even I mean in a, another spectacular way. <laughs> and that all led to the Oklahoma City bombing because uh he was actually at uh Waco at, at Waco okay, and he by. also uh had ties to the people at Ruby Ridge, so yeah, there's some other there's some other stuff in there too. The stuff that doesn't get covered, at least specifically with Waco, is like that there there were allegations of child abuse, like child sexual abuse going on. Like Koresh had all these child brides let supposedly. Like I'm not defending him, and I think it's gross, but I don't know if there's ever been anybody that said for sure that that was happening. But it seems pretty likely. Um, the gun dealing was sort of secondary to that. Um, right. Yeah, I don't give a shit about the guns. <laughs> so that's no. whatever. No, but that's no, but that was their excuse to go in. But exactly. Even it was yeah. it was all on secondhand incorrect information that was like figured out to be falsified after the fact. It's like, yeah, that's it. They, they just needed an excuse. They they needed they you know they wanted them out. They need an excuse. Um, fucking people alone, man. Unless you go in and see actual child abuse, leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, you ended up just killing all them people instead of fucking getting the ones help that needed help. You fucking did the reverse of what you needed to do. Right. <laughs> like It's like a that's like somebody like a cop shooting a person who's trying to commit suicide. You're like, well, that didn't really solve anything, did it? No. <laughs> you know, like... so my wife finally got uh, her turntable set up that I got it for Christmas. Mm. And I'm, it's got buttons here for samples. I'm thinking about trying to hook it up and uh, putting some samples on it. For the show, I don't know. Cool. <laughs> Has she been messing with it? Uh, yeah, yeah, she's been playing with it. She likes it. And I have this crazy thing called a a, a roadcaster for podcasting. Yeah, yeah maybe it I should leave that it. exact thing. Maybe I, I should leave it, it to the producer. Weird. <laughs> like I didn't spend six hundred dollars on this thing. <laughs> I spent two hundred on this. Come on, it's super and you met some dude in the back of a in some back parking lot and got out of his trunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? No, I didn't hear this story. Wait a second. It's just the Facebook Marketplace deal. Yeah, That's all. <laughs> there was the original three hundred. I found somebody that had it for two hundred on Facebook Marketplace. It's like, a deal, yeah, man. It's behind the Walmart, huh? No, it was actually in a church parking lot. That makes it good. That makes it fine. Totally yeah, about ever happens in the parking lots of a church or in a church <laughs> ever, you know. Well, he took a break from a uh, fucking the four year old to come eat. Oh. Watch that 
scenes until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. Or if you catch my breath for a podcast about conmen, charlatans, and carnies. And here with me, I'm joined by the illustrious Griff Daddy Austin. Hello. And produce Charlie. Hi. So, Austin, what do we have on the docket today, man? So, we're going to talk about the Tinder swindler. And I guess I should say spoilers, like right up front, because we are going to talk about the Netflix documentary. But I, I kind of wanted to. The reason I got interested in this is because I wanted to kind of figure out like what happened before and what's happened after, right? I mean, it's 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 a fun documentary. It's a good watch. Um, but I just was like, where did this guy come from? Who was he, you know, who was he doing? Did this like his first scam? Was it just like where? And I mean, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Spoiler, he's been doing this for a long time. So I just, I think it's interesting to kind of see his journey and then um, I'll do some of the background and then I'm going to turn it over to Dalton. Who's going to talk about the documentary from memory. So this ought to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> and I, then we I got some the documentary on as background noise. I tried to watch it. It didn't catch me in the first couple of minutes. So then it just became background noise for <laughs> me doom scrolling on Twitter. So I have no idea what's going on into this. So I'm, not, I'm really excited because I have really no idea outside of like, they i'm not gonna spoil it yeah like, so i mean the end of things so well this also kind of i it's also the reason i wanted to do it is because we've never actually done like a pure romance scam on the show and so i wanted to i mean we've done plenty of preachers and and a few psychics and um you know all kinds of other different con cons and con men and so i thought let's do a romance scam um there's it's it's very um timely i think because there's there's been a lot of even since the show aired there's been a lot of evolution in romance scams and it moves very very quickly so we'll talk about that towards the end we're um we're gonna get into the origin story the guy whose name is what dalton uh uh, his real name is not simon laviv but he goes by simon laviv in the documentary he was actually born shimon Yehuda Hayut. I'm going to be really fucking terrible on pronunciations because we're talking about they're, they're in Amsterdam. There's a lot of the story that takes place in Israel, and I'm just not going to be good on that. Oh, you so. can't pronounce these Israeli names? I can't pronounce these. I don't this know I'm... just in Austin hates the Jews. Wow. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so he was Austin he was... now siding with Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, uh, I didn't I, see that swerve sort of coming. <laughs> In this corner of the ring on behalf of the Nazis. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my Zoom might just crash all of a sudden again. Uh, and then you don't have a show. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird how that happens. Anyway, he was born in um, on September 27th, 1990, in an ultra Orthodox part of Israel called Bini uh, Brock. I, I don't think that's how you say it. Um, it, we should have Josh on to, to say all these words. <laughs> and in this corner, uh, on behalf of the swindlers, the cock from Benny Brock, Simon Levy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm just going to keep saying it, Benny Brock. Uh, Benny Brock is one of the poorest and most densely populated cities in Israel. And it's actually the fourth most densely populated city in the world, which I was like, 
Interesting. You'd think you'd hear of, you know, a city that that is that's that densely populated. Right. Uh, it, interesting. Um, Manila in the Philippines is the number one most densely populated really city in the world. Yep. And number two and number three are also from the Philippines. So Philippines, top three. They are fucking in the Philippines. Yeah, they're living on little islands too. I mean, it's 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 wild. It's Hong Kong when I went there. I mean, it was I thought New York was crowded, and I went to Hong Kong. You've been to Hong Kong? Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna yeah. talk after this is over. I want to hear okay. about Hong Kong. Yeah, because I actually was there for a couple months. Um, and it is like it it is more people than New York City on a much much smaller landmass it's just wild i've never been to some place so i can only imagine what this is like um so just to kind of give you an idea of this this town in particular where he grew up he was born and raised it is deeply deeply ultra ultra orthodox um it has one of israel's first women only department store and it even had at one point a gender divided bus system so the women were uh, forced to use the back door of the bus and sit on the back of the bus and the men sat on the front and used the front door. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until uh, a court ruling um, in 2011 that they had to stop doing that. They said that was discriminatory. Stop doing that. 2011, just 2011. Edit. Man, Israel sounds such a great place, huh? <laughs> well, so you gotta. But what you gotta realize is that, like, this is not mainstream Israel. This is like the ultra old. The, this is like, like the most conservative Christians that you could possibly think of. Like, look, I mean, like far beyond Mennonites. I mean, these are like they're the farthest of the extreme believers in you know, Judaism, um, you know, they have this, the formal wear and they, the, you know, the women have to cover their heads and men wear the uniform, much like a lot of the Hasidic folks in my neighborhood here in Brooklyn. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So they, um, for women, they were required to dress modestly, something again, you see around my neighborhood here, my neighborhood here. Uh, they couldn't listen to the radio uh, while on the bus and, all the advertisements were censored on the bus to protect their modesty and purity. So I, I think it's fair to say without like, you know, casting too big a blanket that it is a very, very repressive society. You know, this, this particular right. sect of, of um, Judaism is extremely repressive in the same way, again, and I'm going to put this in there just so it's a little bit more fair and balanced. You see this a lot of times with these like, crazy trad christian you know families and and these, right. these really insane christian sects where they like the woman stays home doesn't leave the house she raises the kids does everything around the man provides for everything i think that's just as repressive as this the chicks in like the long skirts only allowed to wear long skirts yeah yeah, yeah. and that and those are all just tied to like <clears throat> these fundamental extreme versions of whatever religion they practice so that's my that's my both sides ism uh Apparently, Simon, we're just going to call Simon because I don't want to mess up his last name a bunch. Uh, Simon came from a very troubled childhood. And this I found out from a few different sources. None of them got any deeper than that. They just said that he grew up and he was a troubled boy in a troubled uh, house. So whatever that means. But I think it's <laughs> I think it's I think it's significant. I mean, it's a pattern, right? To get in this kind of uh, I don't want to say line of work, but you know what I mean? Again, this kind of a pattern, you have to grow up like some fucked up shit, right? Right. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I don't want to psychoanalyze this guy too much, but I think you are growing up in a very, 
you know, repressive society and, uh, you know, it, it, that's a lot. And then you've got a really poor upbringing and poor childhood. I think that there's definitely, we're starting mm-hmm. to, to stir the stew to make, right. a, to make a monster grifter. Right. Uh, yeah. So, um, so he was sent away. He was 15 years old, too much trouble for his parents. They sent him to go stay with a couple of friends that they had had in Brooklyn of all places all comes back to New York. All right. So this was a, this was a married couple that were from Israel and they moved to Brooklyn and they said, Oh, we'll take you in. If you're having trouble with your kid, have him come here. It didn't really work out. (laughs) He spent around three months with the couple and the relationship soured and he was asked to move out. So he was like, they, they were like, you're a lot there's not anything specific as to why he was asked to move out but it just sounds like he's a rotten little shit at this point yeah that's just a little shithead (laughs) yeah um two years later kind of catches back up the that same couple uh the cobans is their last name uh were planning to spend passover in florida simon now 17 surfaced and asked if he could stay at their apartment while they were away. And I guess they had mended the relationship a little bit because they agreed. And they said, sure, you know, we're gone. Come stay in an apartment and you look after the place. <laughs> in three days, <laughs> between April 19th and April 22nd, I saw Dalton's eyes are like, oh God, here it comes. <laughs> um, Simon managed to rack up $42,000 on the couple's American Express card. God damn, <laughs> that's so much money. Yep. <laughs> that's a year worth of work <laughs> yeah <laughs> in three days he managed to spend that much money it's 17 years old like this guy i i couldn't find anything that he was up to before this but he was already perfecting his game like he heard he already knew how to get away with a lot of this stuff uh and it helps that he's a minor right people just don't oh he's a kid he'll grow out of it yeah so <laughs> so the first thing he did uh, while he was in New York to, to amass this amount of debt was he flew to Tel Aviv on a first class ticket, which cost $7,500. Yeah. International first class is not cheap. Uh, so, yeah. so while he's in Tel Aviv, he stayed at a luxury hotel, the intercontinental in a suite for $2,500 a night. Um, and then he would spend $2,500 at a fancy restaurant before flying back in the, in to the United States the next day. So oh, he man. took a trip. He went to Tel Aviv for a day and then came back. <laughs> uh, while he, when he came back to New York, he rented a Rolls Royce uh, with, and went on a mild. Sorry, some of these quotes have been translated from Israeli to Norwegian to English. <laughs> so Shalom. They're, they're, they're a little rough. <laughs> uh, but he basically went on a shopping spree, bought a bunch of Gucci and Armani clothes. He went to Best Buy, spent 900 bucks, um, and that all ended up totaling $42,000. So then um, Coben, who was the, the guy who he's, was supposed to be staying at their apartment, got a call from the bank. <laughs> so he flew back $42,000 later. He finally gets a call from the bank in only three days. I mean, they're, they're like that just it takes a couple of days to raise those kind of flags. So he leaves his family in Florida and he flies back to confront uh, Simon over all of the spending. Somebody's going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, 
Avi Coben is, is the, the father's name. He, he was convinced that Simon was inspired by the 2003 movie, Catch Me If You Can. And he told reporters, and this is a quote, as a 15-year-old, he could sit around the dinner table and tell you about the, quasi- the craziest ways to fool the insurance companies. So th- this kid was studying pretty early, like I said. Catch Me If You Can is a great movie, by the way. <laughs> we'll talk about it at some point. We'll talk about the guy that, that was in the movie. Okay, okay. Because it's not quite as Spielbergian as they would make you believe. <laughs> I think I saw a remake there. The one I saw had the fucking what the fuck is his name? Not Michael Sarah, the dude that looks like a slightly cooler version of Michael Sarah. Oh, you didn't see Catch Me If You Can. You saw uh, it was about magicians. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can is um, with Leonardo DiCaprio as a uh, con man and a check forger. Oh, and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay, never mind. But it's a similar title. I don't. I can't exactly remember what what one you're talking about, but it's pretty similar. Oh, so why is Charlie laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> Explain, Charlie. It is such a different fucking film. I don't know how you got those two confused. What the fuck, dude? It's like thinking Batman and fucking Schindler's List were the same fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Schittler is, but I don't have a good memory, man. <laughs> this, this, this episode's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> so after that incident, uh, he, at age 20, he was back at it again, but he first did a stint in flight school. While he was there, he met another student named Devir Cohen. Um, so this, is a, this is a friend in flight school. Cohen recalls that Simon would go into expensive shops and remove designer tags off of the clothing in the dressing room, and he would later attach those tags to his own clothes. So this is part of Come building on, man. his image. <laughs> no, you gotta do what I do, man. I go in Walmart, and like I'll get the tag off of like the store brand stuff and put it on the name brand stuff and go to the self-checkout and buy it that way. Dude, you can't get, you can't get Prada at Walmart. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about like really expensive designer clothes. You can get Wrangler. <laughs> yes, moments of silence as, as silence as we mourn for adults <laughs> wranglers. Uh, yeah, so this guy Cohen, who's his friend, says he that Simon dressed ele- elegantly and introduced himself as a businessman. Uh, I saw lots of pictures of him in a private plane as a pilot, and he told me that he flew all over the world. It's not none of that's true. <laughs> Uh, after a while, Simon came to Cohen with a business opportunity. Interesting. This is going to go well. He wanted him to partner up with him on a clothing importing company. And the results, he said, would be in the seven figures. So he's like, here's a great way. Invest in this company that I've got. You can make a lot of money. Look at me. I'm so flashy. I'm making money. Why not? It's all about the appearances, right? As long as you look like you have money, people are going to assume that you have money. Right, right. So, you know, he's got the fraud down. Now he's working on the image part. This is, you know, this is all kind of coming together for the main the main course. Um, over the course of a month, Simon built Cohen out of close to $17,000 and then disappeared. God damn. <laughs> there is something to be said for people that can convince other people to give them this amount of money in such a short amount of time. Because that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a crazy amount of money. It's not like he has it laying around either. You know, they're probably, he's probably putting in some of it on credit cards or taking out loans and just, you know. Yeah, you're ruining this guy's life so you can have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the pattern. 
<laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, yeah. So right after this, we are going to meet a couple uh, named Aaron Yakir and his wife. He never actually names his wife in the in there. You just took your shirt off in the middle of the, the are you hot in there? What's yeah, going on? It's fucking burning up in this room. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> this is gonna be a bummer. Look at me, Austin. Look at me in my eyes. I'm looking at you in your eyes. <laughs> I'm looking don't at you... the script because you keep knocking me off. Don't you dare look at my nips. Why do you have Austin Powers chest hair? <laughs> what do you mean, man? <laughs> when you wear like when we wear button ups, gotta have a little bit of chest pubes popping out the top button, man. It's the girls, the girls know you. No, whoa, that sounded problematic. Not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, right. please. Simon, take me out of this hole. Simon, so Simon uh, literally goes, looks like he glued a pelt of a dead animal on his chest. Dude, I'm not that hairy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna keep going. Nobody else can see this but us, and I be telling everybody that you have the chest hair of like a dead beaver on your chest is is what everybody's gonna imagine now because that's what i'm saying that's it's what not it is that bad man it's so sweaty i'm so sweaty continue austin i don't know why you're taking so long man in there oh yeah really <laughs> so i started to do this show business baby let's go in our aaron yakir and his wife they had contacted an agency about finding a babysitter for their five-year-old son simon According to Gakir, dressed nicely, spoke clearly and distinctly, and appeared trustworthy. The agency told him that Simon's father was a rabbi and came from a good, respected family. Even better, the their son seemed to really like Simon. So somehow he's convinced a babysitting agency that he's a prime candidate to be a babysitter. Insane. There's Insane. a there's definitely a story there that I couldn't find, but that's just he just keeps making his way into these jobs and positions. Um, so Simon told the family that he went to school to become a pilot and at the beginning, everything was working out for like the first three months. Uh, and then the Yakirs received a call about a check for around $13,000 that was written, but didn't have either of their signatures on it in total turned out that there were three checks forged by Simon, which he claimed were to pay off other debts. So the guy's snatching these checks from this couple that he's babysitting for. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he just goes right to work. Like, he, he just doesn't waste any time. Uh, so, Yakir's wife texted Simon that she would be home late because she needed to stop by the police station before returning home. And this freaked Simon out. He bailed, left the house, and left the five year old child home alone. Holy fuck. Because he got so freaked out that he was Dude, about to be. Cold. I have a five year old. I would never, ever leave her home alone by herself. Yeah. And the parents didn't know. Uh, the The husband got a call, presumably from a neighbor, to let him know that his son had been left alone. And he went apeshit, as you can imagine. Like, he was absolutely livid. And this is the moment where he, they actually put it together. He's like, wait a minute. Is Simon stealing the checks? Like, it, up until this point, they didn't know that Simon had, they, they were like, this is weird. What's going on? Incredible. Is it somebody that works for us? Or, you know. He really then, had to de develop a lot of trust with this couple. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because they left him with their kid. You know? That's, Holy that's, fuck. He works his way in. An arrest warrant was issued for Simon, and he skipped town for the first time. He was like, I'm getting out of Israel. The charges were for endangering the, the life of a child, <laughs> leaving him alone, plus the checks. Uh, and he took off, went to London. 
he met a woman named Brigida. I'm not even going to pronounce this last name. I have no idea how to say it. Like, I can't even start. But he, he named a woman named Brigida. He claimed to be an undercover spy and a pilot from Mossad, which is like the Israeli intelligence. And a year after they met, he moved in with her. He also started opening up credit cards in Brigida's name. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> uh, she caught wise that Simon had already fled to Bangkok, where he met his next victim, a Finnish woman. He follows her back to Finland and what would become a familiar pattern emerged. Two additional Finnish women and a Danish woman all fell for his con. So we don't have their names. They're not featured in the documentary, but this is right. all happening before we actually get into the documentary. So he's 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 up and running at this point. Business right. is open. Uh, <laughs> and in a way, go. well, I'm sure we'll get to it later. And in a way, like the way the documentary spells it out, it reminds me of a Ponzi scheme, right? Because you're fucking stealing money from this woman to have a good time with this woman. Yeah. Then when this woman goes up, you're stealing woman from money from this woman to go have a good time with this woman. Right. And it's like, it's never going to work. Right. It's right. Not, <laughs> and I might be getting ahead of myself and I'm sorry. But. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. This is free form. This is a loose, this is a looser episode than what we usually do, but it, it's interesting too, because I think I wanted to bring in Brigida because she's one of the few that we know her name and we know what happened, but it's also, he's not, she's not giving him money voluntarily. He's going around her back and opening credit cards in her oh. name. So he hasn't quite gotten to the point where he's, been given money as gifts you know like which is what this will eventually turn into right so he's still kind of finding his footing you know it went from simply stealing someone's american express early on to trying to forge checks right and both of those not really working out for him and getting caught so now he's he's moved on to let me find a woman i can take advantage of and open credit cards in their name without them knowing gotcha um so I talked about the Finnish women. He was picked up in Finland and spent close to a year in jail before being extradited back to Israel. Uh, and it's while he's back in Israel that he changes his name to Simon Lviv. Le- uh, mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Simon Lviv. And this is also when he started saying he was the son of the diamond billionaire Lev <laughs> Lviv and the CEO of Lviv's company, LDD Diamonds. Ah, oh, this motherfucker. Yeah, so this, this is the point where he's like, hey, I'm a diamond billionaire son. This is my name. This is my new name. This is my new lifestyle. And before he goes on trial, because he's been, you know, charged again, and he, you know, he, they extradite him from Finland. Before he goes on trial, he manages to get out of Israel again, and he's on the run once again. And then this is where the documentary picks up. Uh, he meets uh, a real cute girl from... <laughs> I just had her name pulled up. She, he meets a girl named Cecile Philhoy. Philhoy? Don't look at me. I'm, I'm having a rough time with names today. Uh, these letters aren't even letters. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck y'all got going on, Finland? Okay. <laughs> she's not Finnish, though. Was it uh, Amsterdam? I think she's Norwegian. Norway. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he meets a woman, right? He meets a woman named Cecile. And... You know, they match on Tinder, of all places, and he messaged her the address of the hotel that he's staying at, and this is a pattern that's going to follow the rest of the documentary. This woman goes to the hotel with me and they have a little date, and Simon says, oh, I have to fly to so-and-so to have this business deal. Would you like to come? And this is the part where I, a sane, rational person, 
No rebuttal? Okay. The <laughs> sane, rational person would have been like, I don't know if I want to travel to another country with a complete stranger. But she says, nope! And she hops on the plane with uh, a woman that she thinks is the mother of his child and his bodyguard, uh, Peter. And they fly over to another country. You know, they have a good time, whatever. They have sex. And then they keep in t- contact through uh, WhatsApp when she goes back home. And eventually... He starts getting in trouble, right? His bodyguard, Peter, gets attacked. Uh, he's telling her about all these dangerous people that's out to get him, right? And eventually, these people cut off his uh, bank cards and his credit cards. And he has to borrow money from Cecile in order to live. And, of course, he tells her, listen, you know, I'm a billionaire son. I got you. I'll pay you back as soon as I get get these cards turned back on. I just can't use them while these people are hunting me down, trying to kill me. Right. Right. So he's basically painting a picture that, I mean, he, he shows, I think it's important to know too, that he shows this woman a really good time, like driving around the best cars, you know, going to the yeah, best yeah. restaurants. She has no reason not to think that he isn't exactly who he says he is. Right. He's presenting himself as this son of a billionaire again, and he's living right. this lifestyle. Uh, and I'm not victim blaming when I say that I would not do that. Personally. I don't believe that you wouldn't do that. I think you kind of would. I think somebody would flash some cash and be like, hey, get in this plane. And you'd be like, OK, let's do it. You know, Vic said the same thing to me. I don't know where you guys get this idea that I'm an irrational person. I don't <laughs> I didn't say it. I just when, when someone when someone's like, hey, let's get on a first class plane. Like, you know, like, here's no, a first private class or a private. private. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's a private plane. It goes, hey, let's go. Let's go to another country and I'll show you a good time. You'd be like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see I'll you see fuckers later. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really tempting. Uh, I should also uh, say at this time too, one part that they didn't talk about in the documentary was that he had rented a a very nice Airbnb in Amsterdam and he was, was staying there. He paid for the first couple of weeks and then stopped paying and started this whole cycle up. Oh yeah, I'll get to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he starts squatting basically. Yeah. He's squatting. And, and so the landlord is suspicious, a little bit suspicious and ends up breaking into or not breaking in. He owns the place. So he goes into the apartment when Simon's not there and he goes and sees all of these watches, like these beautiful gold watches. And he's a bit of a watch collector and thinks, you know what? Maybe I'll take one of these watches to hold until, you know, until I get paid the rest of this rent that I'm owed. Right. So he goes over, checks out the watches and they're all fakes. So he knows immediately something's going on. He also said he had a comment that was like, if you're a son of a billionaire, you're probably not going to be this flashy. Right. You, you kind of want to you don't want to make yourself a target. And that's yeah, you want to lay low. Yeah, that's when you start. He started kind of putting it together. Like this guy may not be all he's up to. So that's happening as he's, you know, starting to come up with this story about he's, you know, in some financial trouble and needs this woman's help. Yeah. You know, I'm not exactly a billionaire apologist. You know where I stand on that. But look at guys like Warren Buffett and like Bill Gates. They don't go out fucking flashing their money. They don't show up in the finest cars. You know, they're modest and that gets attention not set on them. Right. 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 And in the process of, uh, you know, convincing Cecile, oh, I got all these enemies. Oh, I got all these people after me. Oh, they're going to kill me. Oh, I need your money, sweetie. I will pay you back. Uh, he meets another woman named Pernilia. So, well, these are not letters either. Sajolham. And uh, <laughs> he meets another woman named Pernilia. <laughs> And he's showing her this good time. And in the process of showing her this good time, he's going to, I think they're in Italy at this point, and they're going to the Coliseum. 
and they're going to all the finest restaurants and they're going to this and they're going to that. And at this point, Simon has an MX card from Cecile that she put down that she's paying money on. He's showing Pernilia this good time with Cecile's money. (laughs) And every time they hit a limit, uh, Simon is calling Cecile like, hey, I need you to call the MX. Hey, I need you to call MX and tell them to up the limit. Hey, I can't, I cannot do this right now. My enemies are after me the whole time. Fucking Pernilla is standing in the corner. Like, is this motherfucker going to pay for this shit? What's going on? And they're and, having the, Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, this is the Ponzi part, right? Like this is the part where he's, he's moved on um, from, uh, from the first woman, which well, is not yes. the first woman, but the first woman in the documentary, Cecile. And he's now with Pernilla. Pernilla. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's Cecile is paying for, the treatment of Pernelia, right? And so right. this starts to lead you to think that maybe this is how it happens. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a Ponzi scheme. You're taking money from one investor loosely <laughs> and you're paying it to, to a new investor. Um, so yeah. And also keep in mind, in order for Cecile to get this massive limit on this credit card, Simon uh, made her an employee of this like diamond company that he's not even affiliated with or related to. And he's sending her fake pay stubs. So she can give that to MX and be like, this is how much I'm making. So you should give me this limit on this credit card. Right. Yep. So all this are like forgeries and fake documents. (laughs) And he's showing Pernilia this good time with Cecile. And eventually when Cecile is like, I'm tired of the bullshit. That he starts threatening her and like these real erratic messages of like, fuck you. You don't know who you're fucking with. You do not know who you're fucking with. I will find you. This will be the end of you. And then back like immediately after that, listen, baby, I love you so much. I love you so much. Please. I need the money. Like, you know, typical bro dude behavior. All the, I don't know how big the female listenership of uh, if you catch my grift is, but I'm sure you've ran into this dude before. <laughs> you know how it is. It's really abusive, emotionally abusive. Right, right, right. The fucking then eventually when Cecile gets tired of the shit, he does the same thing to Pernelia. He moves on to a woman named Aileen and the process repeats, right? But where he fucked up is Cecile is like, this guy fucking scammed me. And I owe all this fucking money to all these banks. And she goes to a newspaper outlet and I'm blanking on the name of it. She goes to this newspaper and she gives them the story, right? And they start looking into it and they're like, holy fuck. This Simon Lviv guy, this is not his first time. He's did this to women before. It's called VG is the name VG. of it. Yes, that's right. And VG is like, holy fuck. They've, he's did this before. And they start going back and like trying to re- like trace the story. And they fly to Israel and they go to the apartments that he grew up in. They meet his mom and they're like, oh, there is no Simon here. There is no Simon here. And eventually they track him down somewhere in Amsterdam, if my memory serves me right. And they're like videotaping him with the third woman whose name is Aileen. And they're outside this restaurant and they're fucking trying to figure all this out. And meanwhile, Aileen is cooperating with VG, right? And she knows everything that's going on. She's seen the messages to Pernelia. She's seen the messages to Cecile. And she's trying to set Simon up to be caught by these people, right? And VG catches, his, catches him on camera outside of this fancy restaurant and eventually simon sees them it's like furious and speeds off and oh that's pretty much the encapsulation of the documentary and eventually the story comes out and aileen confronts him on the phone and cecile confronts him 
and they're trying to talk to him and he's still like spewing all this bullshit. No, these are my enemies. These are my enemies trying to get me. These are the people that I want you about. And it just goes from there. Simon never uh, made accountability for his actions. He still denies it to this day. And it's just, that's how it wraps up. Yeah. So it, it was, I think it's interesting too, because it, you know, the authorities in all of these cases were contacted and in most of it, they didn't do anything. It was, it wasn't until instead of going to the police, one of the victims went to the media and, you know, provided all this information and they, they started putting this story together with, I mean, it was a ton of work that they did at VG and that was what got the attention. And what it did was it signaled to uh, Israeli officials Oh, here's your guy. Remember him? We've been trying yeah. to get him a couple of times. We've been trying to throw all these charges on him and he keeps getting out of the country. Now we know where he is and he gets snatched up and arrested by Israeli police. <clears throat> and so yeah. he. Well, while I talk, uh, I want to uh, throw to our audience. I'm recanting all this from memory. So if, uh, I got the gist of it right. I know that. So if I messed up some names or some places where I got some events out of order, just know that, you know, I got the basics right. <laughs> I was like, hey, Dalton, why don't you watch it again before we do the the, the, the podcast? And Dalton was like, YOLO, no. <laughs> I got a good memory. <laughs> uh, so when he gets popped in, in Israel, he is he, he's hit with a ton of charges. He was charged with the theft of a check for um, $64,000 to buy a Porsche, which was registered to his brother without the brother being aware of this. So Simon Son is ripped, <laughs> ripped up his brother. Dude, he, he is hot right now. Like these, he is hot. He's in the media. Y'all there's tension on him. He's yeah. like, this is the perfect time to scam somebody. <laughs> well, this happened before. This was like one of the earlier crimes. He decided that they they charged him with what was in Israel. And then he went ahead and sold the car without his brother's, uh, with his brother's forged approval. He counterfeited a check for $7,800 to pay for private uh, flight school lessons. So even when he was in school, he was paying with bad checks. <laughs> he is us. Uh, and then he forged another check for... $12,800 on November 26, 2011. He bought a fake passport under a different name for $2,500 and crossed the border into Jordan with it. And then he's got all of the checks that he, he defrauded that family out of, plus leaving the five-year-old. So he's back in Israel. He gets hit with all these charges, does some crimes, gets sentenced to 15 months in prison, and he's out after four. Um, supposedly, but I'm not sure why. Uh, exactly and i don't know israeli law this piece of shit has ruined lives <laughs> so he's I mean, he's he's any, any opportunity he's had to steal money he's taken advantage of it you know and he's just done it over and over and over and over again um what i think is interesting is what happens now <laughs> this is probably the infuriating the bit of it so at the time of the release uh which is february 2nd the tender swindler said that Hayut was back on Tinder. They said at the end of the documentary that he was yeah. back on Tinder. Uh, the company denied this in a statement. They said, we banned Simon Lviv and any of his known aliases as soon as the story of his actions became public in 2019, a Tinder spokesperson said. In the lead up to the release of the documentary, we conducted additional internal investigations and can confirm that Simon Lviv is not active on Tinder under any of his known aliases. Uh, Simon was also banned from using dating sites and apps under the Match Group Incorporated, they that which include Match.com, Plenty of Fish, and OkCupid. 
So they were all like, whoop, nope, he's been banned. Even though okay Cupid is like otherwise. half bots anyway. Those are not real people on okay Cupid. <laughs> uh, Tinder even took it a, a, a additional step and they posted a really good guide for spotting a romance scammer. So they were like, Hey, we know this happened on our platform. Part of it is like, Hey, let's just watch our ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> Make sure that we're not in trouble. But I wanted to, some of the stuff that they, I, I read through it and I was like, yeah, this is actually really a good guide. Some of the advice it says, if they quickly ask you to leave the dating service to communicate directly, that's a sign. Uh, no, well, bro, I get that number. It's possible. I mean, I'm part of that is in there. Part of it is Tinder wants you on the platform as much as they want. So there is a little bit of an ulterior motive on this. Yeah. You know, they, they want you, they want usage on their app. Right. Um, yeah. One of the other tips is if it seems too good to be true. <laughs> so they talk about love bombing, frequent over the top displays of affection or attention is a red flag. Scammer wants to establish a relationship as quickly as possible. So we wary of anyone who says your introduction was fate, <laughs> makes grand promises, and even promises marriage very quickly. Three or four. I'm guilty of three or four. If they, another red flag is if they avoid meeting up IRL. This is almost like a catfishing. <laughs> do some yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, if they ask for personal information, if they emphasize financial obstacles or challenges, that seems like a no-brainer. Even meeting an, uh, even a meeting in real life requires some vigilance. So it says some scammers are actually skilled con artists who are adept at earning trust quickly. Simon, very much is that. Person. Oh, yeah. These individuals may paint a picture of an ideal life in the future, but ask for access to your financial resources today while they wait for the red tape to clear on their investments or business dealings. And then it's just got a bunch of bunch of other tips which i think are like generally good life tips uh that that dalton does not follow be careful about what you post and make public online i can think of uh, probably five things off the top of my head that he probably shouldn't have released i gave off my i gave up my social security number on this podcast so in addition to being banned from all those platforms he actually managed to amass over a hundred thousand followers on instagram before he got kicked off the platform (laughs) But he, one platform he hasn't been kicked off of is Cameo. And really? He has a Cameo account. And you can pay $199 for a personal message. Oh, fuck you. Or $999 if you're a business looking for business advice from this very clearly qualified business, business advice. Man. Dalton, you know what to do. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking when he said he had a Cameo, this would be a sick intro to the podcast. Yeah. Then he said $199. So I was like, I'm out. Well, he dropped the original price. He dropped from the original price. The original price was $200, which that's fine. He dropped a dollar and it was $1,400 for businesses. So I guess he wasn't Jesus. getting a lot of those. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. He also got himself an agent. So he's like, I'm going to take advantage of this as much as I can because now I'm famous for a hot second. He signed with uh, Hollywood talent manager Gina Rodriguez, a self described D list diva who has turned the scandals of a truly impressive roster of unscrupulous figures into deals, further exposure and cash. An incomplete selection of her client list is Lindsay Lohan's parents. Oh, uh, fuck this guy. Oct- the Octo mom, <laughs> uh, the white house gate crashers, one of the teen moms and several of the white house housewives. gate crashers. What is that? I, that I didn't know. And I looked it up. I is forgot is that it up. the insurrectionists? No white house gate crashers. It was from 20, 2009, a U.S. state dinner. This couple broke into the White House 
That's sick. That's fucking sick. <laughs> That's okay. I yeah, like hold that. on. Let me see. I meant to look this up ahead of time. Married couple from Virginia attended a White House state dinner for Indian Prime Minister uh, and as uninvited guests. <laughs> they arrived separately and did not appear to have colluded in their efforts. They were able to pass through two security checkpoints, including one requiring positive photo identification, enter the White House complex, and meet President Barack Obama. <laughs> Hey, um, I don't know. I don't know how you got here. Um, so it not only it, it's a married couple, and then there was another person that was didn't even know this married couple were all able to get into the White House and meet Barack Obama. Insane. Insane. I, I don't remember that being a story. I just don't, but I guess it was. Uh, so we're joking. A list that this agent has, by the way. Oh, she called uh, it, yeah, I know. She called herself the, the top. The D-list diva. So this is kind of where this guy, I think, is going to stick around. This is this is that like, hey, dude, you're kind of in there with a couple of real housewives. That the fucking octo mom. (laughs) That is your relevancy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So these women, all joking aside, are out a lot of money. I mean, a tremendous amount of money. And most of them aren't getting the help that they need. Uh, Cecile, one of the banks that she'd taken a loan out, took mercy on her, canceled her debt of $23,000, which is a lot, but it's not. You know what? Good for them. Yeah, they I'm said glad. that they they said she was clearly a victim and they wanted to follow and try to get the money from Simon rather than Cecile. Uh, but she's also got, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So it's a nice gesture, but only one bank has done that that I could find. They... Um, Meanwhile, they had to actually, so the three women that were in the documentary started a GoFundMe to help recover their losses. To date, they've raised almost $230,000 of their goal of $800,000. So, I mean, this is, that's the amount of debt that they're looking at is $800,000 between the three of them. That sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the stuff that like, the thing that bothers me about stories like this is, and we're guilty of it too, because it's just the nature of our brains and, and how they work is that there's so much focused on this idiot Simon and you don't talk about the victims enough, right? right. Like the victims that are really hurt are characters in this, you know, m- movie or characters in this story about a bad person. And so while he's getting all this attention, he's on, um, you know, he's on Instagram, he's on cameo, he's getting all this popularity. You got these women who are out $800,000 maybe more. I'm not sure the exact figure. And they can't even get a GoFundMe to, to, you know, raise that amount of money. You know, like if, do, they, would, do you maybe think if Simon, they did, maybe if they did a cameo account and only charged $30, they can make up the rest of that money pretty quick. So, maybe, but I just, I, they don't, they're not elevated in this thing, you know, like they're just, I don't like, think Simon is making a good amount of money. Okay. I, mean, I don't think I'm, so either. And just, uh, this may be like, just me like trying to generalize my opinion but i would not give simon a fucking dime you know (laughs) you know what i mean i don't know yeah it's i mean i wouldn't have either and i think a lot of people are like oh well they're dumb for doing this so Mm -hmm. you know boohoo they've lost their money they've got to deal with it and i think it's a really cynical approach oh yeah dude i saw that uh that opinion on twitter it's like well, that's what they get for trying to be gold diggers. Not fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, because I'm a hopeless romantic. This would happen to me. <laughs> well, but look, I mean, but outside of just the three of them, look how many people he was managed to convince to give him money. Right. Right. He's good. This is what he's he does. Good. This is yeah. his living. This is how he gets him through the world. 
And so it's like, yeah, you, they fell for it, but he's very convincing. Yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's really irresponsible to ever blame the victim just broadly, but I also think it in, in these sorts of situations. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is I think it's the part of the reason this story blew up the way it did is because of who the victims were. These sort of romance scams take place all the time. Uh, there's a figure, I've got a bunch of figures, so I'm not sure which one is the actual one, but it was saying that romance scams cost Americans almost a billion dollars uh, in last year. So, I mean, it's, oh, it's fuck, a lot, lot of fucking money out there. But the majority of the victims who were cheated out of their money were women older than 40 and women who are widowed, divorced, elderly, or disabled. I was about to say, I was like, I guarantee this happens to old people all the time because yeah. they just want companionship, man. And I, like, and I, and we don't want to talk about that, right? We don't yeah. want to talk about disabled people. We don't want to talk about elderly people getting swindled out of this stuff, but you have these three attractive, you know, 20 to 30 year old blonde European women that get, they get their money stolen. And suddenly people are interested in the story. I'll steal a cripple's money. <laughs> Jesus. Listen, Cecile, if you want to get that money back real fucking quick, top up up on that OnlyFans. I'll give you like 20 bucks a month, okay? Just fucking get on that shit and start showing your fucking and I'll oh get on. God. <laughs> my, my coffee gets more and more bitter every time I take a sip. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's... All right, that's... for Austin, Simon, get on the OnlyFans, show your a little bit no i don't want to see that <laughs> weird little man <laughs> i so that's that's the what do you think i mean i i've got something else i want to talk about really quick before we close the show but I think as far as the tinder swindler i mean that's kind of the story okay and there he is romance uh, yeah shout out cecile shout out pernelius shout out uh fucking god damn it what's her name aileen. uh aileen yeah aileen uh, if you can find it, I'm sure you can find it on Google. We'll look up their OnlyFans if you can afford to give it. No, GoFundMe, not OnlyFans, Perv. Oh, fuck. Ooh, God, no. <laughs> That's we'll staying link, in. We'll, we'll, we'll link to it. If anybody yeah. wants to throw these women, they're victims. Victim, yeah, we we'll link to their OnlyFans. <laughs> no, GoFundMe. GoFundMe. Jesus Christ. GoFundMe. I got I got well, fucking... Uh, still Cecile staying on, in. Still yeah, staying I got, in. I got Cecile on the brain, man. Oh, you know, you got, cum, you got cum brain again. Like you always do. It's like a permanent state of mind. I am so fucking horny. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, this is... We shouldn't have done a romance scam episode. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to talk about one other thing. And this is when I was talking at the beginning about how these scams have evolved and evolved very quickly. Guess what they've evolved into? Crypto romance scandal. Oh, here we fucking go. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Listen, so, girl, if you send me like 50 Ethereum. <laughs> God, if it was only that simple. So this is from a piece in the New York Times. This says uh, this this woman, Ms. Vu, met a guy online on, on, on one of the dating apps and they started talking. And it says within weeks, Ms. Vu, 33, had spent sent more than $300,000 worth of Bitcoin, nearly her entire life savings to an address that Mr. Zhao, who was the, the gentleman that she was chatting with, had told her was connected to an account on the Hong Kong cryptocurrency exchange OSL. The website looked legitimate, offered 24-7 online customer support, and had even been updated to show Ms. Vu's balance uh, changing as the price of Bitcoin rose and fell. 
Mr. Zhao, whose real name could not be verified, had promised her that her crypto investments would help them get married and start a life together. And this is in quotes. We can make money on top of the OSL and then go on a honeymoon, he said, according to a screenshot mm-hmm. of their text that Ms. Vu shared with me. But there was no honeymoon and no crypto windfall. Instead of going into an exchange account, Ms. Vu's money went into the scammer's digital wallet and he vanished. Fuck this guy, man. Um, from 2001 to 2021, crypto-related romance scams have doubled. And this is also from the Times piece. Experts believe this particular type of scam originated in China before spreading to the United States and Europe. Its Chinese name translates roughly as pig butchering, a reference to the way victims were fattened up with flattery and romance before being scammed. Wow, that is cold. <laughs> I love that pig butchering. I think that might be our title: <laughs> pig butchering and tender swindlers. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're just going with a uh, tender swindler, Simon Lviv. Because I don't know. That'll get clicks. Uh, yes, I'm clickbaiting you people. I'm a fucking. I'm fucking getting He's those getting those downloads, baby. I'm uh, a slut for engagement. <laughs> so another story and i'm going to leave us on a sad note this time uh like i do every time what do you mean this time like it's any different this is from that same time piece nikki hutchinson 24 year old social media producer from tennessee fell victim to a crypto romance scam last year she was visiting a friend in california when she matched on hinge with a man named Howe, who said he lived nearby and worked in the clothing business the two continued texting on whatsapp uh, for more than a month after she returned home. She told how that she was adopted from China and he told her that he was Chinese too and that he hailed from the same province as her birth family. He started calling her sister and joking that he was her long lost brother. They video chatted once, she said, but how only partially showed his face and hung up quickly. She said, I thought he was shy. Ms. Hutchinson had just inherited nearly $300,000 from the sale of her childhood home after her mother died. Son of a bitch. How suggested that she invest that money in cryptocurrency. He said, I want to teach you to invest in cryptocurrency when you are free. Bring some changes to your life and bring extra income into your life, he texted her, according to a screenshot of the exchange. Eventually, she agreed, sending small amounts of crypto to the wallet address he gave her, which he said was connected to an account on a crypto exchange named ICAC. Then, when the money appeared on ICAC's website, she sent more. She couldn't believe how easy it had been to make money just by following Howe's advice. Eventually, when she invested her entire savings, she took out a loan and kept investing more. Fuck, dude. In December, Ms. Hutchinson started getting suspicious when she tried to withdraw money from her account. The transaction failed, and a customer service agent agent for ICAC told her that her account would be frozen unless she paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Her chat with Howe went silent. In quotes, she said, I was like, oh, God, what have I done? Now, here's the sad ending. Ms. Hutchinson is trying to put her life back together. She and her father live in their RV, one of the few assets they have left. And she's working with the local police in Florida to try to track down her scammer. Yeah. So these are real. And young people fall for them, too. You know, it's not just, a. again, I mean, she was one of the victims was 33 Hutchinson was 24. I mean, like, this is a real thing that's out there. And, and I think cryptocurrency has kind of like injected a new thing because you hear about all these crypto millionaire weirdos and all that stuff. And so, yeah, it's really tempting. I think also being in COVID is that's really led to the spread of a lot of these. You know, people are lonely and they're isolated and it's just really ugly. But it's it's something that I these scammers always take advantage of what is going on at any given time. 
And I think it's disgusting. So a word of advice to all my single ladies, all my single ladies, be careful on these dating apps and be careful who you're talking to. Uh, vet them. Don't just talk to any like random fuck. And he starts mentioning crypto fucking nope out of that conversation immediately. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, <laughs> if you're looking for a straight dude. A lot of these straight guys like to talk about crypto. I don't think that's necessarily. Re- I think that's a red flag, but I don't think you should. Think that's Austin thinks straight men are a red flag. Go well, figure. That's, that's true too. <laughs> that is true. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I meant crypto, not straight men. Um, <laughs> somebody starts telling me about crypto. I kind of have a hard time not rolling my eyes, but you know, that it is something that people are into and that shouldn't be the red flag. But if they start encouraging you to invest in said yeah, crypto, when they start pushing down your throat, just go ahead and nope. yeah, that ain't good. That ain't good, but it comes in all different ways. I mean, it's, there's a bunch of different varieties. I just thought the crypto angle was interesting because well, it seems to be what everybody's talking about. And it certainly fills more of my brain than I would ever really like it to. <laughs> so i guess we're closing out the show now i mean that's all i got unless you want to talk about anything else oh, austin bought me out so we have friends <laughs> i guess Bottom <laughs> damn my wtv god super fantastic x over at odds oh fucking i don't know sweet stuff and better things i guess uh we have social media i'm at catch dalton I'm, I'm trying to do a bit, but I think don't think it's landing. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I guess on that note, we have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam by WTV Guide. Super fantastic. X over sweet stuff and better things at odds with wrestling. Hit my music pod. You can find us on socials at Catch Dalton. You can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Agogo. And you can find Charlie on Twitter at Charlie underscore Butters. And uh, that's all we got to say, people. Watch who you're, uh, you're talking to romantically. Like, you know, don't fucking vet them a little bit. Don't be like me. Don't be me. Don't just go home with any random person. Just <laughs> go, just fucking find out, like, what they're about. Find out what they got going on. Find out what they're into. That way you don't get fucking duped. All right, Austin, you got a thing to say. <laughs> Stay beautiful. If you won't stay, I'm give my best to you If you won't go, I wish the best for you Silence put the car into I don't wanna hear no bad news.
Simon Levave is not Dalton. Let's fucking go. Or he texts both of us and said, there's a hornet in my car. Now, yes. here's let me just let me tell you how I saw it. Normal people, upon discovering a hornet in their car, would pull over, open up all the doors, and wait for the hornet to leave. But that's not how you live. That's not your brand. That's not what you did. Am I correct so far? Yes. Okay. You who are not wearing your glasses because you can't, but which means you can't see shit. You're a terrible driver and you drive too fast as your, right. your, um, you know, your traffic record would <laughs> vouch to You're correct so far decided that I'm going to try and get this thing out of my car while I'm driving. Right. And so you're waving your hands around like a maniac. You probably have yeah. the windows open and you're just trying to swat it away while driving probably above the speed limit. Uh, fucking 10 for 10 man you got it <laughs> so here's what happened i was in the job no, this is i just want to just wait this is how well i know you after this this year of doing this <laughs> podcast with you like you don't have to say any of that and i just know that that's what's happening right now <laughs> 